Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Acts chapter 11 at verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number of a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he might go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to see Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. We're happy to have our son-in-law here this morning with our two grandsons, Stanley Johnson. I don't know if all of you know him or not, but they came down to be in the service this morning with us. I appreciate that. Stan, if you will, I'd like for you to lead us in prayer, please. by asking you a question and if you can answer this question in the affirmative if you want to say yes to the question I want you when I give you the the cue to say amen don't do it until I tell you I want to preface this because I want you to anticipate a quick answer of uh, the story of a young couple who were sitting on a park bench. They'd been dating for quite some time, and she was very much anticipating that he was going to pop the big question. And uh, they were sitting there, and he was very fidgety. Moved around a lot, and she thought, boy, he's getting nervous. He's getting ready to ask me to marry him. And she had her answer already. There was no question about what she was going to say. But he fidgeted and twisted, and he said, honey, I've got a very important question and a very personal question to ask you. And she said, yes, yes, what is it, what is it? And finally he said, would you move over? I'm sitting on a tack. 
Well, I have a very personal question to ask you, but I don't want you to move over because I don't think any of you are sitting on a tack, but it's very important and very personal. And if you can answer it in the affirmative, I want you to say amen. The question is, get ready to answer. I don't want any hesitation, no waiting, no, no faltering. You know what your answer is. If you can answer yes to this question, I want you to say amen. Are you a Christian? Amen. No hesitations. All right. Before we're done with the message this morning, I hope you will even be more affirmative in your response. And if there are some of you who could not answer, or you halted or faltered in your answer, were hesitant in doing so, I hope you will be able to be affirmative before the message is over and can respond at the end of the service with an affirmation. Some of you may remember many years ago there was a Broadway play called The South Pacific that was very popular. As a matter of fact, at that point in time, it was the most popular Broadway play that had ever been produced and thousands of people, many thousands went to see it and many, many more wanted to but could not get in because of the tickets being sold out. They just couldn't make it. Those who went to see it would come back home and uh, brag about the fact that they had been to see the South Pacific. There were many tourists who went to New York and never got in. And they wanted so badly to say when they got home that they had seen the South Pacific. Some very enterprising young boys figured a way to make some money. They scavenged around and found the stubs of the tickets that had been thrown away of those who had attended and picked up some of the discarded uh, uh, programs and peddled them on the street for $5 apiece. And so several people went home and said, I saw the South Pacific, who in fact did not. And they showed as their evidence the stub of the ticket and the program that had been sold to them for $5, and nobody probably knew the difference. And so they got by with presenting what they said was good evidence of their being in to see the South Pacific. Well, turn this thought into spiritual matters and we would find a lot of people who would have answered with you in that response just a moment ago and would have said I am a Christian because I have the credentials I have the program you might be able to hold up this morning's bulletin and flash it and say I've been to church I'm a Christian or maybe even to say, I have my name on the roll of the church and therefore I am a Christian who have never in fact been to the throne of God and received forgiveness of their sin that makes them one. Never had the experience, only had the paraphernalia. Never had the experience, only had the external evidences of have, having had the experience. The name may be on the book, but is it in the Lamb's Book of Life? 
The name may be on the church roll, but is there really evidence of involvement in the work of the kingdom? The name may be on the church roll, but is there really any witnessing going on? Is there fellowship with God's people? We might be able to ask the question, what church do you attend? And nearly everybody could give that response. But are you Christian? And there's a difference in the two answers. In the passage of scripture that we read, we are told of the fact that after the persecution and the death, the execution of Stephen, that the Christian people, who were not yet called Christian, but those who were followers of Christ, were scattered. They went all over the known world, and some of them went to Antioch. And there in that city that was very pagan, very wealthy, full of fine architecture, with all kinds of pagan temples and the very bed of all of the wickedness and vice that man could imagine, a city of a half million people, these small groups of people who were followers of Christ found themselves going on the streets preaching the gospel of Christ and they were amazed at their success. Many people were believing in Jesus as a result of their testimony. And this word spread back to Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas and told him to go up there to Antioch and see what's going on. And Barnabas went to Antioch and he was amazed at what he discovered and well pleased in that he found great numbers of people who were believing in Jesus. And what did Barnabas do? But he took off and went to Tarsus, where Saul's home was, and Saul was there, and got him a new convert to Christianity. And he brought him to Antioch, and the scripture says that they stayed there in that town a whole year and preached the gospel, and great numbers of people were saved. And then that last verse that I read, verse 26 says, And these people were first called Christian in Antioch. They didn't call themselves that. They called themselves believers, or brethren, or saints, or people of the way. Jesus called his followers disciples or friends. Didn't call them Christian at all. The name Christian was placed upon this body of people in contempt. Not in a name to be honored and respected, but a name that was to be contemptible. Those Christians... with the worst contempt that they could put in their voice. These people were attracting attention. And they were willing to take the name Christian and apply it to themselves. And we call ourselves Christian today because 
because of the willingness of that early body of believers to accept the contempt that was placed upon them. As a matter of fact, the people in that day were complaining that the disciples were men that were turning the world upside down. You'll find that in Acts the 17th chapter. When in fact, these men were turning the world right side up. The early Christians were making an impact upon the society in which they lived. And I think one of the distressing things about today is that we are having very little impact upon the world. Our influence is just being ignored. Nobody is coming in our front door this morning to place us in chains and take us off to jail. Nobody has said, you can't worship there. Nobody has said, go before the government and give an account of your faith and say whether you believe in this person Jesus or not. But that's what they were doing in that day. And men and women were being put in chains and put in jail and were being executed because they believed in a person called Jesus. And as a consequence, they had the community in a turmoil. They didn't know what to think about this new uprising of people who believe in a person called Jesus. We ought to have in our midst that same power that was in the life of that early church. And when we lift up Jesus, they ought to be saying about us, those Christians with contempt. And they're simply saying, oh, those people up there, ignore them. And we're saying, boy, I'm glad they do. Because it keeps us from being called to account for our faith. And we can easily answer when I ask you, are you Christian? We can all say yes without any fears at all. But that question wasn't asked nor responded to so casually in the day that it was first asked. Because when it was asked, they put their life on the line for what they said they believed. Now these new believers had been associated with, with the synagogues and with the temple. They were a part of the Jewish faith for the most part. And they went in to worship with their friends and their neighbors in their synagogues in the communities. And they went to Jerusalem to the temple. But they kept insisting that there's something new going on. There is a new way. Our old way is no longer acceptable. We've got to follow this person, Jesus. And the people of the church began to see that they were different, or the synagogue and the temple, that they were different. Let me tell you, there ought to be a difference. The Christian people within the community were recognized as being different not because they dressed differently, not because they acted differently, except in their belief in somebody they called Jesus. Listen, Christians don't act like the devil. They act like the person they follow is Jesus Christ. And sometimes we have 
in our own lives and in our own congregation actions that are like the person that we have disclaimed who is Satan himself and do not act like the Christ that we say we believe in. We have claimed the name Christian this morning but in fact are we? By our actions can we be recognized? Christians are children of God and ought therefore to reflect the image of God. They were willing to stand up and say we are Christian because their faith was different than all the people around them. They believed something differently and they were recognized as being different. I would ask you this question. On the streets, in the shops, in the stores, at work tomorrow morning, will anybody recognize there's a difference about us? Or will we so well blend in with the community that we cannot be identified? Is your faith really different? Then if it is, it follows that our actions ought to be different. Are we convincing in what we say and what we do? And is our faith contagious? Does somebody want the disease we have? And we have one. It's called salvation. Because something took place in our lives that made us different, and we now march to the tune of a different drummer, as the statement goes. And there ought to be people flocking to the churches of this land saying, I don't know what it is you have, but I want it. Tell me what it is and how do I get it? The people of Antioch were moved by what they were seeing and they called these followers Christians, which means Christ's men and women. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, they saw in them the image of the Son of God. I want you to note that they called them Christians, Christians, not Jesuits, Jesus men, no. They didn't call them Jesus men, they called them Christ's men. The Son of God's men, for Jesus was his earthly title and tied him to earth. Christ the Savior was from God. And they called them men of God. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what a Christian is in our world today. And it come, a lot of it comes out of our political situation over in the, in the Eastern countries when the Christians and the Muslims are at war with each other. I think we need to understand that's not the faith Christian against the faith Muslim. That's the po political Christian against the political Muslim. It's a political thing, not, not a faith thing. 
It started out that some people were Christian and some were Muslim, but that's not, that's not the basis now. Do not mistake to think that Christians over there are fighting. Uh, that's not necessarily true, although uh, that has been taken that way. The Christian is a person, an individual, who believes in Jesus Christ. Our country is called Christian. And if this country is called Christian, I would hate to see the country that's called demonic. We have come so far from following Christ as a nation that we can't possibly be identified as a Christian nation. When we see all the things that go on in this world, and particularly in our own country, from uncontrolled uh, drugs to abortion and all the things that affect our country and we as Christian people have not begun to make an impact upon these issues. We're sitting on our hands when we ought to be looked at with disdain by the world and say those Christians are stopping abortion. Those Christians are putting dope out of our country with contempt they ought to be telling us that you're doing that and we don't like it. Those Christians are holding up Jesus Christ when we want to worship somebody else. Let me conclude with this. All of you have heard of Alexander the Great, one of the great military leaders of our world. On one occasion, a young soldier had been charged with some deed and brought before Alexander the Great. And Alexander said to the young man, what is your name? And the young man responded, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great repeated, I said, what is your name? And he said, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great turned to the young man and said, well, either change your ways or change your name. And I believe that's the message that we ought to be preaching from our churches this day. We either honor the name we carry or we change it. If we are Christ's men and women, then let us present that image to the world. And if we're not going to do so, let's drop the name Christian. When the Lord God asks us, what is your name? What do you answer? I hope we can all still answer, my name is Christian. I am Christ's man. I am Christ's woman. And he will never have to say to you or to me, either change your ways or change your name. A Christian is one who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian? Now I'm going to ask it again. In your own heart, in your own mind, answer the question right now. Answer with amen. Are you a Christian? If you're not, do you want to be? Do you want to be? It's a personal decision. 
Do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you want to have all that that means as a part of your life? If you do, and you're not now a follower of Jesus, you'll get out of your seat and come forward during the invitation. If you have not been the kind of follower that you ought to be and could not answer very affirmatively, you ought to get out of your seat also and be willing to stand before this congregation or kneel here at the altar and pray to God that your life will be turned around and you'll be willing to be numbered amongst those who say they are in fact Christian. Will you do it? If you want to become a part of this church but transfer your membership somewhere else, or if you want to uh, uh, make a statement of your experience if you're a member of another denomination, we encourage you to do that. We believe that we're a church destined to proclaim the gospel of Christ from these walls, and we're determined to do it. You want to be a part of us in doing it? We would invite you and encourage you to, to take your stand and let the world look down their nose at you if they must. But hold your head up and say, I'm glad to be called a Christian. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.